if only people knew what we talked about before the podcast. We, we were just talking about how we could make a second podcast over on the things that we discuss without actually recording. Maybe we'll do that sometime. This is we'll why call. our tests can't be deleted. <laughs> I think people would be offend, mildly offended if they heard some of our tests. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> some people wouldn't. Some people Not at all. Funny. They'd love it. They'd absolutely love it. That's where uh, uh, Sarah would love to pull quotes from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the caveat. If you're, if you're offended mildly by uh, our tests, this may not be the podcast for you. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Possibly not. Just maybe take not. it easy. Relax. That's okay. Anyway, nothing relaxed about today's topic today. Real tense. Everything's tensed. Your whole body and the muscles. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why not? You shouldn't be. A little bit. No. Part three of three. Yes. In programming. So part one, we talked about uh programming for progression for hypertrophy when you're trying to make your muscles bigger. Uh, part two, we talked about programming for strength when you're trying to make yourself stronger and how you progress within that with sort of the difference between the two in terms of what you're doing when you're in sessions and then also how you progress. So just to recap with that, broadly hypertrophy is volume and a little bit of weight uh, but strength is primarily weight. Volume stays constant or even declines. Weight goes up. So today, we're going to move away from that a little bit. We're still going to talk about progression and programming, but we're going to talk about gender differences within programming and how we as programmers and as coaches approach um, differences between men and women in terms of their ability to handle exercise and what they benefit from and how we program for that accordingly. So why don't we start with a kind of our first discovery of gender differences? Because it was not something that either of us really recognized uh, at the outset, basically. So tell us a little bit about your story with how we figured this out. Yeah. So I think uh, for us, kind of this whole system is, is, is new and entering into hypertrophy uh, was kind of coincidental with uh, quarantine. So we were stuck at home. We were fortunate enough to have access to quite a bit of equipment. Um, but for those that we were programming for, they didn't. Uh, and so hypertrophy was a great way for them to get a great stimulus out of what we were doing um, with that. But subsequently, we did hypertrophy training as well. Uh, Just caveat, this was maybe your first foray fully into it. Not really for me, yeah. but, but this is your first time purely focused on hypertrophy training. Just to clarify for people, you had done maybe obviously things that would have been hypertrophic in the past yeah. and obviously carry a lot of muscle mass, but it was within sort of like functional fitness. It wasn't actual bodybuilding. Right. Like, the true like had gone through the strength cycle and then transitioned purposefully to hypertrophy uh, with that being the goal throughout the entire mesocycle. Uh, and so just kind of in discovering that, like how much volume it was actually able to handle um, both with number of sets and reps and my recoverability between sets and between days. And so not feeling like super fatigued uh, when it came to the second day 
of training like lower body um, than what I had originally anticipated. Cause I was like, this is way more volume than I've ever done. So I should be sore. I don't know that I can handle doing this many sets or this many reps and actually discovering like, well, okay. Like being able to do five, six, seven plus sets at, you know, six, somewhere between six and 12 or sometimes 15 to 20 reps of certain exercises. Sets per movement. Yeah. Not like sets per workout. Correct. Right. So first movement, back squat, seven sets. Second movement, front squat, six sets. Third movement, Romanian deadlift, seven sets. Like So looking at a given session where you're you're over 30 working sets. Oh yeah. I mean sometimes there were, significantly over. I was gonna say there were there were weeks that I was 40 plus working sets. And again, at that high rep range. In a session, not in a week. Just Correct. To clarifying so yes. people understand. Because yes. 40 in a week isn't really that much. No. 40 in a day is a oh, is tremendous a tremendous number. <laughs> yes. So just to give some context, so I was uh training for hypertrophy at the same time. And my relative in uh, number of sets was far and lower. So it was still a lot. Still in some cases, on some days, over 30 working sets. So basically as much as I could recover from and sometimes a little bit more, um, but comparatively not even close. No. And so it was a really interesting discovery side by side for us that, that your workload was a whole lot higher your relative percentage, like percentage of one rep max was in many cases higher yeah. than mine. Um, and that you were still though recovering better than me. Uh, so you were not sore faster than I was. And so this uh, is really, really fascinating from our perspective. And obviously from the perspective of turning this around and working with other people mm -hmm. and understanding more and more progressively about what we're doing. So this sort of opened Pandora's box and understanding <laughs> or starting to understand or at least starting to think about gender differences. Yeah. So broadly, we'll just start with main takeaways right out of the gate. Broadly, women can handle a whole hell of a lot more than guys can in terms of volume. Guys think they're tough. It, it's not even close. It's not like a who's tough and who's a warrior. It's like you can't recover. You will be too sore to get physically stronger, to make your muscles bigger. It doesn't matter like quote unquote how tough you are. Girls can handle just more. Um, so that's one element. Ladies recover faster mm -hmm. uh, in a given time frame than boys. And obviously there's some genetic differences with this too. So some people are genetically predisposed to be able to handle more volume and recover faster. So obviously there are ladies who are genetically not gifted in this way and they can't handle as much and rec recover slower. And there are guys who are very gifted you can handle a ton and recover faster. So obviously there's some overlap there, but these, you know, broadly girls recover faster and better than boys do. Um, so that, that stuff is interesting, but what we, I think what is maybe most interesting about this particular subject are the misconceptions between boys and girls. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you a quote and I'm going to let you explain to the audience what you think about it. And I want you to be very candid. Okay. When someone says to you, I want to get fit, but, and this is a lady, 
although it could extrapolate to a guy, you're already making a face at me because you know what's coming. <laughs> you hear this so much, and it's just like, are you kidding me? Um, I, you know, I want to get fit, but I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to look like a bodybuilder. What? Uh, run us through what you think in your mind when somebody says that to you. It is maddening as a woman to hear uh, women say that. Like, I get it, right? Like, so especially if you are local, right? Like, so if you're here in Columbus, like the Arnold is here every year. So you are exposed and you've seen women bodybuilders. So people that truly commit their lives to this, but that's exactly it. They commit themselves in their training to look like that. You coming into the gym and you lifting, even if it is. 12 sets of back squats in one week doing six to eight reps in that you are not going to look like that. The exact opposite is what's going to happen. You are going to get the body that you actually want. You are going to gain muscle in the places that you want to gain muscle. And you're going to get that quote unquote, I want to be toned look by doing that. Yeah. It's, it's really hard because you obviously, you're hearing someone's concerns and they're, they're, you know, and we're at this point, you generally people are strangers. So they're, be, they're opening up to you. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, going to dig at them for being honest, obviously, but it's really important to try to manage people's understanding and expectation of what, what is actually going to happen and what is not going to happen, whether you're a boy or a girl, even if you're genetically gifted, which effectively almost no one is, you are not going to look like a pro bodybuilder. Do you know why? Because pro bodybuilders, to look like how they do, dedicate their lives to it. Number one, you coming in four days a week and putting in a good effort is not going to get you there. That's It's not the same. The second thing is uh, pro bodybuilders, and certainly there are natural pro bodybuilders. Uh, and if you're curious about this and you really want to see the difference um, that exogenous hormones exert, uh, do a Google image search for IFBB pro bodybuilders or Mr. Olympia and look up Phil Heath or whoever, right? Um, and then do another Google image search for natural bodybuilding. And you'll see about a galaxy and a half of difference. Yes. And you'll go, oh, okay, well, that's the difference. Also, too, people who are natural pro bodybuilders are genetically gifted. You have to be to get to that point. Right. And they don't look anything like IFBB pro bodybuilders. Like it's not the same. It's almost not the same sport. Yeah. It's so different. It's like high school football in the NFL. Like it's a very different game. Yeah. Not for lack of effort, but that's just what happens. Genetically, uh, physiologically, you can only put on so much muscle. And to max that out, you have to be unbelievably dialed in. So that's, that's kind of the first thing out of the gate is a lot of times people of both genders, but certainly particularly ladies come in with a lot of concern about putting on too much muscle. And basically it's like, don't worry, you won't, there's no chance. Um, so tell, uh, tell us a little bit about how you progressed in strength when you first started, um, lifting weights, like in a coached codified regular way. So when you first started like CrossFit, Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about like particularly maybe your back squat. What happened with that? Yeah. So when I started uh, again, I went from couch to CrossFit. Like that was the saying of the time, right? Like you could go from couch to CrossFit and that's what I did. So I'd never touched a barbell before. 
um, and started out and had, you know, some training through on-ramp and that sort of thing and learned what the back squat was. Um, and at some point along the way, tested that and was at like 110 pounds. And then we focused on doing two strength cycles. Um, we did Wendler and then we... So Wendler is 5-3-1. Correct. And then... I don't remember the second one that we did. We went into another one. And by the start of that second one, I had doubled my back squat. So I went from 110 to 220. So, <laughs> and so about, about how much time was that? Six months. So in six months, you doubled your back squat. And this is something that for us is not out of the ordinary. For people we work with, we actually kind of tend to expect it. Sort of, even if we don't necessarily say it to them, um, especially people who don't have a long background resistance training, you get really strong, really fast. And obviously that plateaus and tapers off after a while, but it's not uncommon to see that. And so why I want you to tell that story is to illustrate that, uh, you know, a lot of times we see that or think of that as being a guy's thing. Mm -hmm. You get super strong, super fast, but there's no difference in, in genders in terms of ability to add strength quickly. Um, and so they're finding, and this is an interesting thing, that men and women have the same ability to add muscle uh, over time, basically. So you start with 100 pounds of lean body mass, and I start with 100 pounds of lean body mass. Our genetic ceiling is probably about the same, and, and we're going to end at about the same point, where traditionally it was thought that boys just physically can can put on more strength in reality what it seems like it might be is that boys tend to start with more muscle mass because they have more experience resistance training so they end up at a higher number there are also some physiological differences between boys and girls where just boys especially in their upper body are are physically stronger we're designed ergonomically a little bit different so that basically we carry more strength in our upper body interestingly it appears on a pound for pound basis, that might be the opposite in your lower body, that that ladies tend to have stronger legs. And they think this is an evolutionary thing where uh, women traditionally were moving long distances, gathering, things like that. And so that there's some element there, and obviously they're guessing, but there's some element there that evolved over time because it was just functional, basically. So it was super, super interesting. Yeah, and I think it's something that I talk with a lot of my clients about who are mainly women is that like we're also genetically made to carry babies. So if we had a strong upper body and not a strong lower body, like that would not be possible, right? Like we have to support carrying in a, another life. So we have very powerful legs and we can use that to our advantage, especially when it comes to training and again another reason why like it's volume right is is something that we can handle a little bit more of especially for kind of what's perceived as lower body exercises well that's and that's a great perfect segue that uh if we look at fast and slow twitch motor units uh so fast twitch motor units are uh if you think of sprinty powerful type things. And this is a actually a really interesting concept because you and I are the opposite of this. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, men 
on average, clearly there are exceptions that we're going to enumerate one of them in a minute, uh, tend to have more fast twitch motor units than ladies do. They tend to be on average pound for pound, a little more explosive. Ladies tend to be more slow twitch, so they tend to be more slow burners. And again, this goes back to maybe the evolutionary sort of guess that women were carrying babies, gathering for long periods of time. They needed to be slow burners, basically, where men are chasing, hunting, running from potentially animals more often, yes. um, and are maybe a little faster twitch because of that. Clearly, there are exceptions. You and I are a perfect <laughs> example that I am not explosive at all all horribly unexplosive and tend to be a little more of a slow burner and you on average tend to be very explosive yeah. in a relative sense but not uh aerobic you know long long aerobic activity is not your favorite thing to do no. or where you excel it's not where you shine no <laughs> short fast things. yes yeah. So that underlies the the idea that this isn't like totally black and white. There's a lot of overlap. Um, men and women are obviously physiologically very similar. So there's more overlap than not. Um, but just on average, this is what we're kind of looking at. So why don't we look at, we kind of talked about strength, muscle mass, differences um, and similarities. So how does this go into programming? So how do you program on average for your ladies versus your men? And again, if we acknowledge that most of it is going to be pretty similar, mm -hmm. you're going to use similar movements and, you know, and it's also going to be based on goals, right. but how do, how do you differ between the two? Yeah. Again, it, it goes back to kind of everything that we've discussed and culminating in that, like, I know for most of my women, like, even if I add like, a rep or two each week for the most part i can also add a set to them like it isn't just like okay we're going to try and push a couple more reps this week for the three sets that you have we're going to try and push a couple more reps and do another set of that same whatever so if it's eight to twelve right instead of going from eight to ten for three sets we may actually go four and then eight to twelve Whereas for my men, it may not be, it may inch those reps and then maybe two weeks, then add a set, mm -hmm. inch those reps, maybe another two weeks, add another set. Yeah. I think, um, the way I think about it, I tend to progress men, 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 men okay. and women, um, similarly in terms of weekly volume. So sets tend to go up by one unless unless we find something that's a little bit of an outlier or they really aren't recovering um, or they're not getting a good stimulus before, then it might go up by two. So if they're not recovering at all, men or women, um, and they're still super, super sore in the target muscle the next time, then we might keep the sets the same. If they're like not getting a pump, it's really, really easy. They're just breezing through it. Then we might go up by two sets. Um, I think the big difference that I tend to see is how long and this is a little bit related to physical size and strength, how long uh, a given trainee can go between deloading. So women can tend to go a little bit longer than guys. And again, I think this comes back to ability to handle and recover from and attenuate fatigue is these girls are just better so they can go longer. So we could have more weeks of accumulation 
than boys can on average, not always. Um, and, and that's a good thing, right? So these are like who we're pointing out, frankly, for the most part for ladies are advantages. Um, the longer you can go between deloads where you're still overloading every week and recovering, on average, the better. The, you know, if you have to deload every eight weeks versus every three or four weeks, that's over the course of a year. That's a huge amount of time lost if you have to go every three weeks yeah. uh, relative to if you go every eight. So, so these are, in, you know, we haven't really pointed this out, but this is like inherently a good thing. These are advantages right. that girls have over boys. Uh, and obviously, again, there are exceptions. If you have an exceptionally strong lady and then you have a guy who's a little bit newer and be, because of his newness is maybe not at a really super high strength level yet, it might be the opposite where you might have the lady who's, who needs to detail or deload a little bit more and a guy who can go a little bit longer. Uh, and that's it's how consistent people are, things like that too. But again, it goes back to like why we have the conversations that we do with our clients. Like, and we have these, we ask them these questions, right? Like, how are you feeling? Like, you know, this is leg day number two. Are you recovered from Monday when you last did legs? Like, how do you feel in these movements? Um, or week over week, right? If we're comparing your back squats from last Monday to this Monday, like, were you able to hit the same number of reps? If not, then like now we know it's it's time to reset. Yeah, it's really data driven. So it's feedback driven in the sense that you're talking to the people and you can get a sense of where they are and make that that decision together. But it's also data driven that we're, we're watching someone's progression. And when you can start to see people stagnate, certainly drop off, then it's time for a deload uh, or even their progression start to slow down. Mm -hmm. You can you can take that information. And, and make some moves with it. Now it's a big part of what we do. It's more, we spend more time analyzing data than we actually do in-person coaching. And we do a ton of like in-person coaching for like six hours a day. Right. But you're analyzing that data for longer on a person to person basis because it dictates their programming. And this is something that, you know, quite frankly, if you're in say a group class and we can talk about our own experiences with this, or you're doing like a truly templated online program, like you, you, bought the $49.99 thing from whoever that's, you know, going to get you shredded in 30 days or whatever. But oddly, it's the same for everybody. Like it, it this doesn't, it, that's not taken into account, basically. It's just one size fits all. So tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously we kind of alluded to it earlier, um, but in a class setting, though you and I have very, very different ability to recover from a given workload, uh, we're in that setting. Are we doing a different workload? No, no, we're doing it. Everybody does five sets. Right. Um, and so why basically? Um, it's the construct of the class, right? Like we have an hour to work out. And so this is what's going to give us a stimulus for, for our strength component. And then we're going to move on and we're going to do uh, some sort of cardio piece um, or something that's supposed to supplement that, that strength piece, maybe accessories at work, um, that we do. And so obviously like there's going to be some differences, right. And this is why like some people like myself had success in a group class setting to where like, okay, five sets of back squat today for me, it's really taxing because I pushed myself through that, those five sets 
I pushed the weight. I knew that by the end it was going to be uncomfortable, um, but I wanted to get better. So that's what I did. Whereas for some people, they're like, oh, I'm just going to move today. So I'm going to put 85 pounds on the bar and I'm going to do 85 pounds for all five sets. And that's going to be a successful day. And so again, it goes back to kind of what drives you and what, what you want out of your workout. So in terms of progressing for me, I was able to do that and I was able to get stronger, um, but making the transition to truly the programming that we do now, um, where it is, I back squat every Monday and my volume changes and my percentages change. You've just seen growth that I haven't seen in a group setting over the last two years. Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, we're not saying that that's wrong. To a certain extent, it's unavoidable. So as a group programmer, you have an hour. You don't actually have an hour. You have about, at most, 34 minutes, at most. And that's, you're really pressuring the coaches at that point. Having programmed for group classes that are an hour long, 34 minutes, you're you're putting them kind of under the gun. So it's really closer to like 28 to 30 is probably reasonable um, so that they can explain the movements, demo them, get everybody adequately warmed up, clean up time, etc. cetera. Um, so that's not that long. So you can only fit so many working sets into that. Um, there's just a practical limit. And so what you run into is because there's a practical limit, it's either way too much or not nearly enough. So it's like either four working sets, which might not be, it might be perfect for some people, but might not be nearly enough for someone who's more advanced like yourself, or it might be seven working sets. We see this sometimes where it's like, uh, people haven't like pressed horizontally for three weeks, maybe more, um, or maybe even a week if they're really, really consistent. And then they go seven working sets. So then they're immediately overreached. So you have to, you know, that's the problem with that is that as a programmer, you can't get it right for everybody. It's impossible because everybody's in a different spot. So it's not a lack of effort or understanding. It's just like, it's impossible. So within that, that's okay. If, if your goal primarily is, is just movement and, and making progressions, you still can progress. What we're talking about is how to optimally progress. And, and when we start to individualize things, that's where we get closer to optimal. So it's not a right or a wrong thing. And we talk about this a lot because we don't want people to misunderstand, but it's, you know, this is the reality. Like there is a better way to do it. And this is, this is a podcast about individual design. Like it is a better way, like open and shut. Right. Well, I mean, if you go back to right us over quarantine and like learning that for me at the end of a hypertrophy cycle, like being capable of doing 12 sets of back squat, six to eight reps, like compared to you. And what was your percentage at that too? Just give people a cent. Uh, oh. So your, your max is like 280 and you're doing yeah. them like 225, right? Two, yeah. Because I remember because I watched you do it. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. But just to give people a sense, like this is someone who has a high level of strength and a pretty advanced training age. And that's, you know, do the math at home. That's above 80% for 12 sets. And you're not doing any less than six reps. It's a brutal workload yeah. that most boys, most if not all, yeah. you wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Well, so that's exactly it. Like, because at the end of your hypertrophy cycle, you weren't 
near 12 sets. No, it was like five or six. <laughs> at the end of that last mesocycle. Yeah. So it's just very, very different. Yeah. Uh, but so in a class setting, right? Like you, you can't take account for that. Like you can't say, okay, gentlemen, you're going to, in the same allotted time frame, right? Like we have whatever, 15 minutes to do this. Ladies are going to do 12 working sets. Guys, you're going to do six. Like, it's just, it's not realistic. No, it's even if you're, even if you're sneaky, like sometimes I remember in a group class setting, I would sneak in an extra set or two. Um, at most, you're going to get one or two more. And especially when you, you factor in, you likely don't have enough time to like fully warm up and you have to use some of your working sets as like mm, kind of heavier warm up sets, but they're, they're still not like overloading. It's really hard. So again, not a right or a wrong, just, just pointing out the reality basically. Yeah. Uh, that that's just, it just depends on what your goals are and what the most important thing to you is. Right. So, all right, we have about a minute left. Uh, give us some takeaways. So the queen of volume herself, <laughs> no one can handle more. Yeah. I think it's, again, just kind of the whole purpose of talking through this, right. Is to, for our clients or for those listening that are interested in like, what what am I capable of doing and how can I advance my training or my strength um, or how can I make my muscles bigger? Like there are options to, to doing that and there are ways to optimize that. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be in kind of a templated manner. Yeah, for sure. And this works the other way too. So it's also not sensible at all for someone who has a training age of zero to start them off at six or seven working sets. Right. Uh, I just had a couple people come back from long layoffs and they literally started with two working sets for like three or four movements. And that was it because that's what makes the most sense. So things to think about. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. See ya.